Hello everyone, this is Xavier Billingsley, your host. Welcome to another episode of the Proactive Project Manager Podcast. Are you currently in the process of interviewing and you're finding that either you are not getting calls back or you have issues getting past the interview? Well, on today's episode, we're going to talk about how to prepare for a project management interview. So this is specifically for project managers. And presenting this topic, we have a special guest, Sheila Ashantuyu. Sheila is a career coach, a business transformation leader, and founder of Suit Herself, a leadership and career coaching consulting agency. Sheila is a corporate leader with 18 plus years of experience with a proven track record of career coaching and mentorship. And she also holds a leadership certification from Cornell University and not one, but two master degrees. Plus, this is why we have her on the show. She has a successful background in project management where she led complex product development projects with a budget of over $18 million. Welcome to the show, Sheila. Is there anything else you would like to add? Thank you so much, Xavier. It is an honor to be here with you. I am so excited to speak to your audience, and I look forward to having this conversation. So let's get it started. All right. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So, Sheila, I'm going to start with one question, and I think this is a biggie. So, you know, I know when it comes to like interview and career advice, you know, most of the information out there online and and I've gone online and I've researched quite a bit and most of the information out there is pretty generic. So meaning that it'll apply to any career field, whether you're a project manager or a product, um, a product owner, a scrum master, or even a customer service rep. So my question to you, since we're specifically talking about project managers, are there any nuances from your perspective uh, when it comes to preparing for a project management interview that may be different for a project manager than those than other career fields? Yeah, great question and great way to start, Xavier. Well, the, the first thing I am going to say is regardless of the field, practice, practice, practice. You know, I always tell my clients to practice at least twice in front of a mirror, you know, looking at your body language, just ensuring that, uh, you know, you can see yourself and see how you project. But you're right. I mean, there are very many generic answers and Google, YouTube, uh, you know, just several outlets provide many ways and many examples of how to prepare for an interview. I would say specifically for project management, and this is in no particular order. Um, one key skill required for project managers and something that you need to demonstrate during interviewing is communication. Okay. So during that interview, you got to make sure that you are projecting and displaying how you are able to communicate and how that impact also added value to your role. So it's not just about saying, hey, I am a good communicator, but it's also demonstrating that outcome of your exemplary communication style. So one key area, regardless of whether you're Googling this, whether you're working with a career coach, if you are interviewing for a project management position, you got to make sure to communicate that you are a good communicator. Something else I definitely want to highlight, Xavier, 
that a lot of us forget and specific to project management is soft skills. Okay. As you and I know, as project managers, you are expected to collaborate with many people and have a lot of complex discussions. And a lot of these discussions have stakeholders that don't necessarily agree, right? And so you therefore have to ensure as you prepare for that project management interview that you are also going to communicate that you have skills such as being a team player, that you are empathetic. So those are also important answers that a lot of people forget. They only think about that technical aspect. But having those soft skills and specifically skills to ensure that you can deal with those hard stakeholders and communicate that during that interview is extremely important. And then the other thing that I, I think, you know, all project managers should know is the technical aspect. So as you prepare for that interview, you got to make sure you you also communicate your technical and measurable output of that technical skill set. Because project management is an area of expertise. I tell people this all the time. It's like accounting. It's a field of study that has specific tools. And so during that interview, regardless of, um, you know, how far you are in your project management career, your project management life cycle, you must ensure to speak project management lingo and communicate project management technology, whether it's um, looking at current software, um, talking about what you have done, you know, understanding maybe what is um, for the particular role that you're applying for, what type of project management tool is required, you must make sure you bring that forward. And for anyone lacking, you know, those types of skills, but seeking project management positions, I would say the good news is, you know, these skills can be learned and developed even prior to the interview, right? Uh, in, in several ways, um, whether you have a career coach, a mentor, you know, those are areas that you can practice on and, you know, ensure that you can kind of fill those gaps before that interview. So in, in summary, Xavier, I would say that it's a balance between um, technical and measurable skill sets and then soft skill sets, meaning people and personality skills. And those two must be demonstrated during that interview. Yeah, that's actually great. You know, and I know today, especially with, with COVID and the world being in the middle of a, a global pandemic, most mm -hmm. interviews today are actually virtual as opposed yes. to in person. So yes. is there a different way to prep for a virtual interview as opposed to preparing for an in-person interview? Yeah, great question too. Now, as you stated, we have pivoted to a virtual norm, right? So this is our norm, virtual workplaces, uh, walking from home, virtual reality is our norm right now. And so I would say that it's actually um, not necessarily different, but even more flexible than it was before. Now, when you think about preparing for a virtual interview, there are some things that will always be standard and will not change just because this is virtual, meaning you got to dress for success. That doesn't change. One thing that I see and believe will continue to change is 
people are actually even more prepared um, with their time. So they're more punctual because you have to also test your technology, right? So preparing for that interview, whether it's a PM interview or any other career-based interview, requires you to be time conscious even more. You got to make sure there are no tech issues. And if they are, you can troubleshoot right away. Um, so there's that aspect um, of, you know, just being a little earlier. Uh, you know, I would say one other thing is you got to be a lot more engaged, right? Um, versus when you are in person, because now you got to make sure you're selling yourself and your brand on camera versus in person, right? Uh, and so there is that um, notion to not just be aware of your thoughts and your communication of your skill sets and your expertise, but also be self-awareness of your body language, right? Um, and ensure that all of those are projected uh, virtually. Re again, this is regardless of whether this is a PM position or, uh, you know, any other career role. But the interesting thing, Xavier, is right now there's actually also recorded interviews or what they normally call asynchronous interviews. And these are interviews where um, the hiring manager sends the questions. So in this case, those PM-related questions would be sent to the candidates once the candidate is selected from the pool of resumes. And if you are lucky, because some people think that is a luckiest scenario, then you are uh, able, at your free time, without that anxiety of a hiring manager, turn on the camera and record your answers and send those back. So that's also another option right now uh, for virtual interviewing that a lot of companies are utilizing and also to ensure that hiring managers can uh, utilize their time wisely in having that um, candidate record the interview instead of scheduling, you know, virtual meetings from back to back. So that's another option. But generally, uh, you know, I, I think there's just going to be, as, as we look at the the industry and, uh, uh, you know, just our corporate world right now, there's going to be just more intentional reasons to be more self-aware, uh, to ensure that you are looking at your, your, yourself beyond your resume and how you're engaging. And then also, um, from a literal perspective, there's also that aspect of just being more time conscious with your interviewing. And I'm glad you actually mentioned the part about being prepared. Um, I know when I do screenings and, and, and interviews, it is a big pet peeve of mine for people to show up late. And their mm -hmm. reason is I have I had problems with the technology. And I'm thinking, okay, if it were me, yeah, I would make sure that my technology is working maybe ten at least ten minutes before the interview start. And I'm actually Correct. online waiting for that person to show up. And um, mm -hmm. I, I just just to put that out there, folks, I think that's very, very important. Make sure your technology is working. Sheila made a great point because I'm actually at that point. I'm like, OK, if they can't be prepared enough to get to an interview, then right. what are they going to do in front of the stakeholders? Correct. In front of the sponsors. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you mentioned that. that. That is excellent advice. Now, if we're uh, I've spoken to a lot of people here recently and. You know, although when it comes to looking for a job in the project management field today, mm -hmm. there are plenty of jobs, you know, with, with COVID and there are a lot of um, projects that companies are kicking off. And so there are actually quite a few jobs. But then what some people are, I'm here for some people that 
either their resumes aren't being picked up, like they're being looked over, they're not getting calls back. Um, and so from your perspective, what are some of the reasons why a person's re- resume would even be overlooked? Yeah, a- another great question. And um, one thing I will say is there are actually more jobs than people available right now, believe it or not, right? And with that being said, um, recruiters are active. So this is the period right now to sell yourself, to sell that project manager resume to ensure that is that it is top tier. So when I think about, uh, you know, in my experience, uh, and some of those um, rules that are now also being printed and shared more broad, broadly as to why, um, you know, resumes are not being selected, I can think about three main things. Um, the first one is structure and formatting. And, you know, a lot of times people come to me, you know, because I do have two resume services and say, hey, Sheila, I need you to work on my resume and I'll, I'll give it to you and get back to and, and, you know, give it back to me in a week. And I say, no, it doesn't work that way. Uh, there, every resume is different because every candidate and every experience and every job that you're applying to is different. So even in the project management realm, um, it, it is going to be different for the types of project management positions you're applying to and where you are in your career. However, structure and format is always going to be consistent, at least um, to ensure that your resume is pulled out of the pool. So one reason is structure and formatting being very off. And we can get into detail, um, you know, if we have time on, on how to ensure that your structure and format is not off. So that's one uh, reason why a resume can be overlooked. Um, the other one, which I know a lot of um, individuals um, always ignore because they think that it's important to put every project management uh, role and in addition, everything else you've done in your resume is a number of pages. If you can think about it, you know, these recruiters are dealing with so many, uh, you know, submissions and applications and they don't have time to look through, you know, various pages, especially if your actual project management experience is not reflected on maybe the first two pages. So you got to make sure to be smart about the number of pages. Do those apply to the actual position? And if they do not eliminate them, there is no harm in having two pages if it is quality. So it's quality of a quantity. So number of pages is another reason. And then the, the third one, Xavier, especially when it comes to project management, um, and, and it's a general comment, but for project management, and I'll give you some examples. Um, the third one is having a lack of action words. Um, you know, your, your resume is a chance to sell yourself to make that impression before that recruiter and that hiring manager meets you, right? So you got to make sure to take full advantage of what I call strong action words, because what happens is these recruiters have tools that they used to pick out resumes, right? And if you're looking for a project management position, you got to make sure your resume has a set of project management action words so that that recruiter can pull your resume from the pool. Uh, Some examples include, and there's very many, so it's not limited to some of these, but um, some examples include um, improved, developed, uh, achieved, you know, some of these things that are required of a solid project manager, um, increased 
value by A, B, C, D. Increased or decreased. So action words is something else that is, 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 is needed to ensure that your resume is not overlooked and is pulled in that pool of a million resumes that have been submitted for that project management position. So I would say that um, those would be my top three, Xavier, in um, you know ensuring that candidates, especially those that are actively looking right now, because like I say, there are more jobs than individuals, can focus on to ensure that their resumes are not overlooked. So in addition to those action words, that, that is actually great advice, Sheila. But in addition to those action words, I know there, I've heard there's a lot of spin out there around whatever job you apply for, you have to change it for each position. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason being is you want to pull some, some of those words or qualifications that the particular employer is looking for into your resume. Is that true? Yes, definitely. It is true. And, um, you know, no resume should be the same. Everything that you have done is not going to be the same as another project manager. So it has to be configured a little more specific to you where you pull those choice of words and more importantly, specific to the role that you're applying for, right? So if you're applying for a role and that um, you know role is looking for a project manager to help drive costs down, you got to make sure, again, this is just one of many examples that your resume, especially where you have that area of that area called core competencies, which is always going to be below your professional summary, has references to decreasing costs, has references to how you improved efficiencies. So yes, it will always, it does need to be configured specifically to your background. And that's nothing you, you got to be honest, but you got to be strategic. So um, and, and, you know, I talk about some people say, well, I haven't done this. I'm just a graduate. Well, you, we can talk about how you can amplify your resume to, um, you know, bring forward special projects that show how you were able to decrease some, uh, you know, cost and in- improve savings in this department when you are a student or an internship. So, yes, uh, you have to ensure that you configure your resume to align and to match that job description in every resume is going to be curated differently. Even if I say the structure and the format is consistent and you should have at least that baseline, the content is always going to be different and specific to the role you're applying for. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So can we go back to structure again, the way the resume should be structured? And Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out what is the best way to showcase their skill and their experience when they're um, within their resume, because like you said, you may get a resume with three, four. I've even gotten resumes with five pages. And of course, I don't have time to look through all of those. So some of the things I can tell you that I'm looking for specifically, and then I want you to dive into, you know, from your experience, how a resume should be structured. But for me, um, everyone believes that they're an excellent project manager, not to say that everyone isn't or that they've run complex projects. So some of the things that I specifically look for to kind of weed through some of the minutiae, I'll just say it, <laughs> is that, um, one, I want to know, if you tell me that you manage complex projects, I'm going to dig into what was the budget of the project? 
how many stakeholders were you representing? The sponsors, you know, did you mm-hmm. have to present in a steering meeting? You know, I, I want to dig a little deeper because that information is hardly ever in a person's resume. Mm-hmm. I also want to know like the industry that you've, um, you've delivered projects in. I'm looking for a methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that really, you really can't see in a resume are those soft skills. Mm-hmm. So when you're structuring your resume, how do you bring those things forward or those skills forward so that they're readily available and whoever the interviewer is or the hiring manager, their mm-hmm. eyes can just go right there, get exactly what they need. And they're like, OK, this person meet the qualifications. Let's call them without having to scan through five pages. Yeah. You sure you need me, Xavier? I think you just answered that question also. <laughs> <laughs> so, OK, so I'm going to repeat the, the first um, statement about the formatting piece um, in that structure and format, you know, has to be there. And there isn't, you know, a, um, a right or wrong resume when it comes to structuring. Like there is no standard. There is a format that you can use as a baseline. However, again, just based on the candidate's um, I, I don't like when people say that what is the right way to structure, right? So there is a baseline that should be um, pursued, especially for new graduates. However, again, just based on um, what that job is looking for, uh, that will entail just a different flavor of that structure. So if I was to give you, you know, my recommendation with clients that I have worked with that have successfully landed positions I would say that the first thing, and let's start from the top, right? Again, this is going to be that baseline. And then we're going to get into um, your question specifically and how to highlight those specific skill sets. So I would say that um, one, again, this might sound basic, but a lot of people forget this. Contact information needs to be at the top. And when I say contact information, and that has changed so much, um, you got to make sure that your name, email, phone number, what you, the recruiter can contact you with is highlighted very well. You don't need extra information. Right now, they're saying you don't even need to put your address, maybe your zip code, right? But the most important thing is to ensure that your name, email, and phone number is at the top of your resume. Another way to also enhance your resume is to put in your LinkedIn profile name. Some people are doing that as well. And that also helps... Um, in your case, Xavier, for you to kind of go straight to their LinkedIn profile, right? And to kind of see what their, their, their network is, uh, because right now it's more than just you, right? Uh, and we can talk about that if we have some time later. And so your LinkedIn name is also important to put at the top. So the contact information needs to be solid, clear, and up to date. Professional summary. So professional summary, that's what I call that 30 second pitch. So to answer your question, this is where this candidate should be able to talk about um, who they are and how they will solve the problems that you have. So if you're looking for a specific project manager, you've put out that uh, you know job description on your website, EH Hudson Consulting, and you want this project manager specifically to work on um, government problems, or um, when I say government problems, I mean the government industry to solve some of their problems maybe with contracting, right? So that um, project management professional summary statement, that 30-second pitch 
should have a sentence or at least three sentences explaining why this project manager is the right candidate to solve those problems in that government contracting sector. And that, you know, helps distinguish them from the wider broad of applicants. And then the third one, so there's four parts to this. Um, the third one that I think is probably the most important component is having a list of core competencies. So, you know, that's where those action words I referenced before are important. Those are keywords about your skills and abilities. So in this case, what kind of project manager am I going to get? This project manager that has just shared here um, their own 30-second pitch and how they're going to help me solve the problem. How are they going to do that? Like what skills and abilities do they possess, right? And are these, um, you know, important and are these the, the skills that I need to pick this candidate? An example with the same, um, you know, um, simulation of uh, government contracting, an example of a word that they could pick is negotiation. So this is something that needs to stand out and needs to be on that core competency, call competency list for the project manager. Um, and, you know, risk and issue management, right? You mentioned budget, Budget management, you know, ensuring that this person that you're picking, oh, okay, so this is what they're highlighting as their co-competencies. Let me pick this individual from the pool. So those are two ways to for a candidate to demonstrate that they are uh, different, that they need to be selected, that they're actually positioning their resume to fit that job description. And then the, the last part, which is obviously the most important, is that work experience section, right? Um, that it, it, what I tell my candidates um, or my clients is to ensure that you have, again, relevant, current to earliest work experience. Uh, new graduates, as I stated, may not have that depth, but they new graduates looking for project management positions can highlight that area with looking at internships uh, that are relevant to their project management role or even special projects in school. And then, of course, you know, um, with the work experience, you also have, um, which is, I guess, 4B, that education section, as well as some people have um, a lot of um, certifications outside of their uh, traditional, uh, you know, uh, education, where in this case, maybe some, some certifications in the project management realm outside of the PMP, which is, first of all, obviously, the brand of being, um, you know, an accredited PM, what else do they want to highlight? So, that's how I would say, Xavier, um, if you are looking to kind of pull a candidate up specifically, you don't want to you know, take too much time. If they can showcase um, themselves specific to the job in those four um, areas, then that would set them apart. Okay, so you mentioned years just having like the current and most relevant experience on your resume. So as far as that, mm -hmm. should it go back like maybe the past last 10 years of experience or like the last three jobs? What's the, 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 the recommendation there? Okay, so the recommendation is as long as it is complementary to the job, it doesn't matter. So if, you've, if you have a job that you worked on that has... Uh, that you had responsibilities and functions that are relevant to your job um, or the job that you're applying to. Let me say this way. If you have, if you've had a job maybe in the last 10 years and that job function is complementary to the job that you're applying for, then put it down there. So there is no, 
uh, duration, like, oh, you know, I'm just going to pick the last five years or the last six years. That 10 year ago job might even be what gives you that opportunity to have an interview. So you just have to ensure to be very uh, intentional about looking at the function that is being requested in this position and then looking at your own portfolio and figuring out which role, which occupation have I had that can help sell my story and bring in the value that I can bring if this company hires me. So that's how I would put it. Got it. Got it. You also mentioned that as far as, you know, when you structuring your resume at the top of your resume, of course you have your name, right? Today, it isn't really necessary to have your full address, you know, just the contact information plus your LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. How important is it today to have a LinkedIn profile, especially when you're looking for work? Oh my goodness. I think if I was to put priority, that is probably the top, top priority for any corporate individual or any individual looking to get a job. And specifically with project management, and I'll explain why I'm saying that, but very, very important. Um, we talked about the fact that we are in a virtual world. Everything is digital. So you got recruiters and, uh, you know, hiring managers. Everyone's on LinkedIn and searching. In fact, you don't even need to do the job searching. <laughs> You know, these people are scouting for you in your sleep. When you wake up, you got like five different uh, messages from different recruiters or hiring managers if your page is, uh, you know, set up very well. So, yes, LinkedIn is very, 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 very important. In fact, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile and you have a resume, mm, you, you're probably not going to get a job. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that very confidently. Let me say that again. If you don't have a LinkedIn profile, but you have a great resume, your chances of getting that position are slim. If somebody has a great LinkedIn profile, but their resume is okay, they'll probably get that position and there are metrics to support that. So like I was saying, um, LinkedIn is essentially your brand. This is what tells recruiters, hiring managers, and even your networks, you know, who you are, your, your profile, your, um, your areas of expertise, where you're working. In fact, now you don't have to pick up the phone and call somebody to, you know, ask them if they're looking for a position, if they, if they're looking, uh, if they have open positions and, and telling them that you, that you're looking for work, you can actually update that on LinkedIn, right? You can, you know, update your profile to say available for work. So there's so many tools and that's just one example as to how, um, LinkedIn has now become the number one engine for uh, recruitment. Um, you know, another thing that I love very much about LinkedIn, especially when it comes to project management, because one thing that you and I have learned also, Xavier, in project management is you also have to build a network of individuals, people that can vouch for you, people that can really, um, you know, showcase and, and, and share how you are successful in leading a project and, and how you are successful in ensuring that, um, you know, you, you stayed on budget, right? I, I think this is something that in the project management world, a lot of people fail to realize that networking is so important because then as you work on projects, as much as, um, project management it may be your, your focal point in career, you'll probably work with several areas, several people in business, in IT. And those people can also vouch for you. 
So if you have a LinkedIn profile, your connections will stay solid in one portal. Those connections that you have worked on as a PM in building your, your brand at work will still stay in your LinkedIn profile, right? So the meaning, um, your, your networks will continue to grow. And as we know, networking is one of the most effective tools in your career. One, networking can help you, uh, you know, people can vouch for you, right? Having a good set of network can also give you grace, especially if you're lacking some uh, competences, if you're looking for a new position. So in project management, one of the advantages is working with several stakeholders, several teams, IT business. And in LinkedIn, those uh, individuals, if you are an active LinkedIn user, which everyone should be, you've probably connected on LinkedIn. And so those people now become part of your network. Okay, so you're fostering meaningful um, relationships and building that brand. So it's not just about your profile, what you're doing, uh, you know, how great of an asset you are, and then all of the recommendations that people give you, but you're also uh, building your networks. And that is also um, demonstrated on LinkedIn. And when you leave that position to move to a different role, maybe now you're looking to be a program manager, you have people that can back you up and you have their connections. You can email them. Um, of course, you know, there is a there is a very um, ethical way to do this uh, to ensure that, you know, you aren't bombarding um, messages, but at least you have those connections in one area. And then, you know what, Xavier, I can sell LinkedIn over and over again. I feel like they need to hire me because I always talk about LinkedIn, but there are so many other features <laughs> that LinkedIn offers. But yes, uh, long story short, uh, LinkedIn is very important and, in, and you need to have a LinkedIn profile probably before having a resume, in my opinion. I echo everything you just said, 1,000%. Mm -hmm. 1,000%. It's very, very important. If now, I can add one more thing. Um, sure. And, and this is something that I think they just rolled this out uh, maybe this, maybe late last year, uh, uh, you know, when during the pandemic. But I know now with LinkedIn, they also have, well, LinkedIn is free right now. Anyone can, you know, it's almost like Facebook. I call it the professional Facebook. So it's free. However, now I believe that you can add some more. I think it's a premium account feature where um, I, I think they give you like, a, yes, they do give you a month free. And then after that, there is a cost to that. But if you add that feature and, you know, you just want to use it for a month, you can actually get direct insights into salaries, project management salaries, uh, you know, direct insights into um, what um, hiring managers are looking at, meaning metrics, data to help you understand, is my project management field competitive? Hmm. How, how is it ranking in Illinois? Hmm. How, how are things, um, you know, um, trending in, in the construction sector? So some of those features are, are so, um, are so you know available that were never available in the past and LinkedIn offers that. So I just wanted to add that as well. And that's part of their premium accounts. Okay. That is a great ad. Thank you for that. That, that is awesome. I would have thought to mention that. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So now if we move just a little bit more into the in interviewing process. So my first question is, especially today, like we talked about a lot of interviews are now more virtual. And not only 
with interviews being virtual today, but you also add the fact that today we're in this Google uh, mindset, especially, you know, most of our project managers are IT project managers. And now when it comes come to IT, things are a little bit more lax as far as clothing and how you dress. And I've noticed that some people will bring that where come to an interview with a polo shirt, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it may be okay at work, but during an interview, I mean, uh, and maybe because maybe I'm a little bit more old school. Maybe, maybe my mindset <laughs> needs to change a little. But to me, when you come to an interview, you're showing your best self possible. So right. what is your advice around what folks should wear during an interview, whether it's virtual or in person? Great question. And I think I'm old school too. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I would say, one, even before we get to the clothing aspect, for those virtual interviews, you got to make sure you have good lighting. You know, something that I, I think shows that there was, you know, some intentional effort taken and this person is taking this interview seriously, whether it's a project management interview or any other career-based interview, you got to make sure you have good lighting. And I mm-hmm. think we've been through this uh, working from home cycle for over a year. So everyone at this point, go get yourself a ring light. I don't care, um, you know, like what types of um, <laughs> roadblocks they were in the past. But right now, go to Amazon, get yourself a $10 ring light. And I know I'm, I'm saying that as a joke because some people will probably say, well, you don't know what everyone's economic, um, you know, um, status is, et cetera. But all I was just saying is that having good lighting is number one, very, very important, Okay. As far as clothing, I will say right now that employees are a little more flexible in some corporations. So you have to do your homework to understand what that culture is for that company, right? Some companies right now have shifted to a more informal structure. Now, that doesn't mean when you go to that interview, you're going to act informal. You got to still put your best self forward and be professional. Of course, no personal uh, references. However, that might mean that having that polo shirt and a blazer makes sense. So you have to also do some homework, do some research. You know, before that interview, you've probably engaged with a recruiter. Ask those questions. Hey, what is the dress code and what is the expectation for the interview? Do I still need to be suited up? Um, should I be informal? Like, can you give me some perspective? So you also have that opportunity to speak to that recruiter beforehand, before meeting that hiring manager. And if you don't and you don't have those opportunities and if you go on the website, on social media, speak to people and you still don't have answers because those are other outlets, I would say the best default is to be conservative and traditional. Got it. Got it. It makes sense. Definitely makes sense. So when you're in the actual interview, one of the questions um, that come up is you may have the the hiring manager ask you, tell me about yourself. So how do you, what's the best way to introduce yourself in a project management interview? Yeah, great question. And that question will always come up. Uh, it, it, you know, they, they may start that question off with, Hey, introduce yourself, but hundred um, percent guaranteed project managers. This question will always come up. So, I always like to, um, you know, think of steps when I coach and I inform 
candidates on how to go about things. It helps kind of summarize and it helps uh, minimize a lot of that crumbing, right? And so for introducing yourself for a project management interview, the same principles still apply. And I think about it in a three-step process, okay? Um, well, the first thing I will say is this answer should not be long should not be longer than three to five minutes. So that's why I said practice, practice, practice. You need to make sure you are solid, on point, concise, and you're not, you know, just going on and on and on, meaning telling a very long-winded story. So three to five minutes. But as far as the three parts, the first part is when you talk about yourself, your answer should start with a professional, engaging story aligning with the job you're interviewing for. So in this case, for project managers, look at your resume, right? On your resume. So I'm not saying look at your resume during the interview. This is the preparation before, okay? So on your resume, as we talked about, highlight the jobs that make the best connection to the position you're applying for. Earliest to the most recent, by the way. And tell that engaging story about your cycle of your life cycle and how, and how you were able to come to where you are today. So the first part in introducing yourself in a project management interview is starting off with a professional engaging story and looking at your resume where you're going to pick those positions to share that story. The second part is you must also demonstrate measurable results accomplished. And Xavier, you talked about that in your example of the budget. You got to make sure that as you are telling that professional engaging story, again, picking the most relevant positions from your resume, earliest to most recent, you're also ensuring that as you're talking about yourself and introducing yourself in this project management interview, you're demonstrating measurable results accomplished. For example, during my time as a project manager, I drove successful implementation of A-plus IT systems, since you mentioned IT, to successful execute, I was able to then generate value by saving X amount of hours. So you're showing a measurable outcome. Essentially, how does your engaging story also contribute to a contribution to cost savings, process improvement? You got to make sure you can quantify the results of yourself and how you are able to um, demonstrate that in your career. So again, professional engaging story. Second, demonstrate measurable results. And then the last one, and a lot of people, this is something that this is a tip I give because a lot of people think this third piece is only relevant at the end when they say, why should we hire you? No. So the third piece is you have to make sure to wrap your intro by telling the employer what you know about the project manager position and that you're qualified. And this shows that you are aware of what they're looking for and that you are a good fit. So what you're doing at the onset is you're creating a connection. Again, you're not waiting until the end. So you talk about that professional engaging story. You talk about how you, you were able to demonstrate measurable results. And then you, you summarize that intro by talking about 
what you know about the position and why you're a good fit for that position. So you're already connected with that hiring manager. And that is a tip that I give clients because a lot of people think that it's important to sell at the end, but you need to sell in the beginning. So you then talk about all of those project management um, responsibilities and those functions that you are able to accomplish that are relevant to this specific project management position that you're applying for. So those are the three tips I would give in introducing yourself for a project management interview. Okay, that is perfect, perfect. And I, I have like a thousand and one questions, but I know we're running short on time. But one question I must ask because it's something that I'm really curious about. So after this, one, I have one final question I've got to get to. But one of the things that I've noticed when I'm interviewing, you know, and, and it's pretty standard. You're always going to ask, okay, do you have, we're done with the interview. Do you have any questions? Mm -hmm. How critical is it to actually have questions at the end of an interview? Because what I've noticed is that uh, some folks, they do have questions, but they're very, it's either very irrelevant or um, they're just asking because they know that they have to ask a question at the end. <laughs> and I know right. for me personally, it isn't necessary. Mm -hmm. I want to know, you know, when I'm asking, I'm asking, you know, like, do you want to know next steps? You know, those types of things. It's I'm not asking because you're going to get brownie points for asking me a question at the end of an interview. But that's me. Mm -hmm. So just standard across the board. How yeah. critical is it to ask a question at the very end of an interview? I'm going to say something very unorthodox. So you should not ask questions if you don't have questions. But if you don't have questions, ask about the next steps. So a lot of people think, like you said, Xavier, they need to ask questions. And a lot of those come off as irrelevant. Like you said, you'll Google interviewing and it'll say, don't leave without asking questions. If your question is irrelevant, don't ask it. But you still should ask a question to understand what that next step process is in the interview. So that's something that I'm going to leave you um, with. Make sure that if you're at the interview and you don't have anything to ask, ask about the next steps. How long is this interview process? What is your timeline looking at to hire this project manager? Those types of questions are always going to be relevant because you also want to know what you're walking away with, right? The other thing I will say is during the interview process, and that is why I tell people to always have a pen and pencil or, or you know, um, uh, j just a notepad or an iPad, you know, however way you like to take notes is write down what the hiring manager is saying, especially if it's relevant to, um, to what could potentially be a question, right? In the beginning, most of the time, the hiring manager will go over the job, the role, what they're looking for, uh, you know, maybe some of their pain points, right? Maybe a summary. So, you can write some of that down and that could build into a question. And what that shows is one, you're engaged already, you're connected, you're asking a relevant question to their business. So you're not just like you said, Xavier, just thinking about a random irrelevant question just to ensure that you can check that off the list. Like I asked a question and there's that sense of value that you're trying to bring forward because you're asking something that is relevant to them. So that's another way to think about how you can curate a question to ask at the end. 
Does that help? That definitely helps. And I hope most people actually um, took that advice because like I said, that is just a pet peeve of, of mine. So thank you so much for that. that. That makes a ton of sense. All right. So just to wrap things up, you've sent in your resume, you've interviewed, you've done great. And at this point, you have an offer. They call you and say, OK, this is how much I'm offering. A lot of folks at this point, they're leery or nervous about negotiating their salary. They just take whatever the first offer is. So what is your advice on or best practices for negotiating salary? Okay. Well, uh, I get this a lot. And um, the first thing I always tell individuals is the information is out there. When I say that, I mean that you need to know the salary that you are potentially going to get before going for that interview. And I'm talking about that second or third interview, because now you're probably at that third or second stage, right? Not the first stage, right? And so the information is out there, meaning number one, before you even think of negotiating, have you done your homework? And this is information that is not um, unknown, right? You, you Google, and unfortunately, a lot of this is going to be Googling, but it's relevant to ensure that you do it, right? So I'm going to talk about the fact that you have to make sure you know your salary or at least the potential salary before you go into that job interview. Some good sites, because you got to go to credible sites that I'm going to give you. The first one, everyone knows, glassdoor.com. Payscale.com is actually a better one, I think. Go into those sites, type in the role, type in the state, depending on the configuration of the website and have an idea of the salary to help you negotiate. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. The second thing is before going into that interview, and you're also going to do that at the interview, but before going to that, before going into that interview, again, a lot of people might feel a little indifferent about this, but you got to talk to your networks. You got to talk to people that are in that space that are working as project managers, maybe senior project managers, program managers, your networks. If you have those contacts available, talk to them about, you know, hey, uh, I, I'm looking at, um, you know, a potential project manager position. And I just wanted to get your feedback on, you know, um, what is your perspective on what that salary should be or what that salary is? You got to make sure you can do some groundwork. And I'm not just talking about women in the case of women, women and men. If Again, if you have those networks, you got to do some groundwork to figure out what is current in the job market right now with those that are in that space. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't do. They think that we should just work in silos, but it's important. I, I did some research about two weeks ago for a report and I, I uh, ran into some numbers. Xavier, do you know that Salary.com revealed that only 37% of people always negotiate their salaries. Um, and those 37% of people have done some groundwork. So there are some metrics and surveys that were taken that empowered those 37% um, people. And those 37% of people spoke to their networks based on the questions and the feedback that was given. So anyway, um, groundwork is first required before uh, negotiation. The first one is Googling payscale.com, glassdoor.com. Very easy. 
Um, the other one is speaking to your networks. Again, very easy. If you do have those networks, reach out to some of those LinkedIn contacts and everybody has somebody that they can speak to. If not, that's fine. As long as you've done that research on Payscale and Glassdoor. The other thing is, so now you're at that interview, okay? So we talked about asking questions externally, but also internally. You can still ask diagnostic questions in their interview um, when you are negotiating your salary. Like, hey, um, so can you uh, give me some perspective on what types of benefits, uh, you know, this offer entails? You got to make sure you're also asking those questions because you have to remember that this is a job that you're looking for. This is a project management position that, you, that you're looking for, but they also need you, right? And so you got to make sure that you're, you're confident enough to ask questions to help you make those decisions and negotiate. So ask those questions. You have to make sure you have a solid understanding of um, the, the salary. You've done some groundwork with people that are working in that space. And you've also asked the hiring manager specific questions about the offer because chances are they will give you that offer first, right? And then before we talk about how to maneuver or to engage through that, sometimes, Xavier, you have uh, project managers that were maybe underpaid or, again, I'm going to go back to graduates who don't necessarily have, uh, you know, just some sort of... Um, you know, competitive salary, right? And they're coming into this negotiation interview. So you have to think future state is my comment there. Meaning when negotiating that salary for a new job, it's not uncommon for the company um, to ask about your current salary, okay? One thing I will say is never lie. A lot of people will say that, well, you should lie because they're probably not going to contact your previous, you know, um, employer, etc. So you should not lie. What you should do instead is pivot to then focus that and transition that conversation to what you're looking to do, um, especially because you've already passed the, the first or the, or the second interview, right? And so right now you, you're, you've already sold your skill set and your background. So transition quickly and talk about the reason why, uh, you know, you, you are, your salary was this, but you're moving forward to a different phase in your project management career. And because of that, you're looking for more. Okay. So you focus on explaining those, the reason why your new skills and new responsibilities and that market value, cause you've already done your homework are going to be relevant and reasons why your old salary is no longer applicable. So again, don't lie about your old salary, especially if you've been underpaid transition to the future state because again you've already sold your skill set. And after you've you know you've asked your questions, um, you know, if, if they put something on the table that is not uh competitive or or is not aligned with what you found at, at glasto.com, then you can counter offer and you know give them again, you know, an answer that is aligned to what you know. Um, I also tell individuals and people get scared when I say this you shouldn't go to midpoint because a lot of people think you should go to the midpoint again, based on your career, your experience. If you are a seasoned project manager, think about that um, competitive edge between that midpoint and your high grade salary. I always say go higher because you've done your homework. You've already passed the test. So you should not be, uh, you know, like um, nervous or anxious about asking for 
above that midpoint. In fact, I'll say go high. But again, you, you should have done that homework. So those are just some tips I would give. And again, you know, be confident. Um, you know, I, I, it goes without saying, you got to be polite. You got to be polite, respectful, right? Um, and, you know, if, if you're not, again, as comfortable, you can always say, let me take that back and then I'll get back to you on that, right? If you're not a, a solid, comfortable candidate that has done all that homework, you can always take that information back because they should give you enough time to think about it. Got it, got it. Wow, Sheila, this has been um, very, very helpful. I mean, you dropped some really, really great nuggets here. Um, really, I'm really appreciative of it. And, you know, thank you so much for coming onto the show today and helping thank us you so project much for manage. Having me, Xavier. Sure, sure. It, it was great, great, great. Thank you so much. Um, so hopefully you'll come back on one day. I, 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 I have a ton of other questions I would love to ask um, and maybe sometime next year. Sounds good. Yes. Yes. You promise. Thank you so much. You, you have my word in, (laughs) in recording. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Xavier. And you're doing such a great job on this platform. And I look forward to coming on again. All right. Thank you so much. And for those who are listening, if you are interested in getting career coaching, especially project managers, but you do not have to be a project manager, uh, please go to her website. Her company name is Suit, S-U-I-T, herself. Um, and the web address is www.suit, S-U-I-T, dash, herself, H-E-R-S-E-L-F, dot com. Um, and I'll also post this information within the episode. All right. So thank you guys for joining and please enjoy your day. Thank you. Bye-bye.